Hello, and thank you for joining the North Point Church Lutes podcast. We're excited that you found us, and we pray that you'll come back often and listen again and again. Each week, we upload the content preached in one of the North Point Church services here in Lutes, and we pray that you'll come back and listen and marinate on what it is that God was teaching us. The more that these messages get into your heart, the more that you have the opportunity to be obedient and allow them to change your life. We believe that God is real and His Word is true, and that has the power to change your life. So let's lean in together and see what it is that God has in store for you today. Wow, baptisms are today. Man, I hope you're planning to come. I I hope that you're making plans to be there again. uh, you got to pay for parking, but again, we'll help you with that. If you need help with that, don't make parking be the problem. But Fred Howard Park's a wonderful place. If you've never been to it, it's uh, pretty cool. Uh, and so when you get to the park, you're going to look for the North Point uh, flags there on the beach. We're going to try to find a spot that obviously can hold uh, a good group. Um, but, um, you know, and you're going to have an opportunity. If you've never been baptized, but you've made a decision to follow Christ and you still want to get baptized, you can still participate even at the end of today's service. Uh, you'll have an opportunity to be able to, to give us some uh, indication that you want to do that. But... Uh, Man, uh, it's just going to be a great day. If you've never been a part of a beach baptism, uh, they're special. Uh, they're different than what we typically do out here. And uh, so it's going to be cool. So I look forward to seeing you guys out there at 5 o'clock today. Baptism is a public declaration of a personal decision to follow Jesus. You've heard us say before that baptism is a, uh, a, public, uh, a public declaration of an inward change um, or a public profession of an inward change. Um, but really, it's really this public declaration of a personal decision to follow Christ. And if you've ever made a decision to follow Christ, there should be a point in time where you make a public declaration through baptism. Now, why baptism? It's kind of a, uh, you know, why did Jesus pick that? Why did God design it? Uh, you know, I don't know, um, but it, that's how God set up his word. And that's how, he's, how he is, um, you know, planned from, from you know, from the beginning of time, we know that God has lined this up. This is what Jesus did. We model that. And Jesus, Jesus is baptized. God's word tells us we're baptized. And so it is a symbol. But what's so beautiful about, beautiful about the symbol is it shows that we're buried with Christ and that we're raised to walk in a new life. It has that symbol of death and it has that symbol of a new life. If anyone's in Christ, he's a new creation and the old is gone and a new life has come. There should be some life, some life change and some difference that comes from us. There should be a before and after story. And for those that get saved in their later years, teenage years, or middle adult, or young adult, or senior adult years, those stories are evident. They're easier to see because you've had some backstory at that point in your life. So you have kind of like, well, this is who I was before Christ, and this is who I am after Christ. And, but if you were saved, um, like, uh, like in, in, your, in elementary school and such, you may not have a lot of backstory. You may not have been addicted to crack cocaine in elementary school. Let's just hope not. That would be awkward, you know. Um, but, <laughs> or your parents are in big trouble. But, you know, so we, you know, you may not have that kind of backstory, but we all have a story of what God has done in our lives. And so today's message is about my story. This is my story. And everyone who's getting baptized today has a story, and I know they'd want you to hear that story. In fact, every Christian in the room has a story, and we should all be comfortable telling our story. 
What's interesting, though, is if you were to ask Christians in general and you get them in a room and you sit down and say, how, how good are you at doing that? Most people are like, oh, I don't know. I really don't do that very well. You know, we kind of cower at that. And so as I begin to think through and process uh, about this message and about sermons in general, I think, you know, we, we do a great job teaching the Bible, but, but very few churches ever slow down and teach us how to share our faith. And just like, how, how do we do that? And so I really felt like what God wanted me to do today is just to give us some practical teaching on the, the how to share our faith and really the why that we should share our faith. Because we are not only created to share our faith, we are also commanded to share our faith, and that we are also, um, we grow when we share our faith. There's so many benefits to us sharing our faith. And people need to hear our faith. God has recreated us. When we were that old life that's gone, the new life has come. We've been created in Christ to do good works. There's a, although we didn't have to do works to get saved, there is some good works that we have to do or we get to do on the backside of being saved. And that is to be fruitful and to let people know who we are. It's important for us to be able to tell our story. And so my question to you today is, do you remember your story? Do you remember when you got saved? Do you remember the day you were baptized? Do you remember how all that went down? Do you remember how you came to faith in Christ? What were some of the things that were going through your mind and through your head? What were some of the decisions that you had to wrestle through? I, I talked to my small group about that this, this last week. We're going through the engagement project, and I have a small group that I lead on Wednesday nights at the Waldron's house, and um, a really great small group. And we, we were going through kind of the question of, okay, so when you got saved, where did it happen? Did you just hear some, you know, as a pastor, you want to, you, this is, I wanted them to say, yes, it was all a message. Did, did some pastor just pe preach some great message and you gave your heart to God? And you know what their answer was? No, it didn't really happen that way. <laughs> and you know what? And that's the truth. It didn't even happen that way for me. And chances are it didn't happen that way for you. Yes, was there a church service typically involved? Yeah, a lot of times there was, but it was part of what happened. It wasn't probably the original reason that you came to Christ. And what it was collectively in our small group was this, that it wasn't a sermon that brought people to Christ. It was a person that brought people to Christ. Some person that they encountered. It was a family member. It was a, a co-worker. It was a friend. It was a neighbor. It was someone that they had a relationship with, that this person had influence in their life, and someone that they trusted, someone that they respected, and someone that they said, they're the real deal. And that person at some point in time in that relationship, it wasn't just that they were a good person, but somewhere along in their relationship, they crossed a line and be able to say, can I tell you about the hope that lives inside of me? Maybe, maybe you ask them the question, hey, tell me something. How is it that you've got peace in the middle of all this craziness that you're dealing with? How is it that you can still laugh and find joy in the midst of the crisis you're walking through? How is it the fact that we all got laid off, but you seem to be okay? How is it that you, and whatever the answer was, sometimes you're asked the question, and you need to have an answer to that. And other times, God just tees up the conversation and prompts in the heart, and they say, listen, I don't know if I've ever had a chance to share with you, but I'm a follower of Christ, and that is what frames and shapes and everything I do, and 
would it be okay sometime if I have the opportunity to tell you a little bit about what I believe? Because what I know about you and what I know about your life, I really think that Jesus could make a really big difference in your situation because he's made a huge difference in my life. You see, sometimes they're going to ask you, and sometimes you're going to see an opportunity where you're like, oh my gosh, I know what you're going through. I can see what you're going through, and I have a solution to the stress and the challenges and the struggles that you're dealing with. So as we talked in small group, you know, it wasn't the fact that it was a, a sermon that changed their lives. It was people changed their lives, a person. But ended up, here's what took place. They had this encounter with a person. But nine times out of ten, in our small group at least this was the case, that they didn't make the decision to follow Christ because of that encounter. It's that later they would visit a church to try to seek truth to reconcile with what they heard from this person that they love and trusted. And they would come sit in a church service where they, where they saw authenticity from the person that was communicating, and they would hear a message that seemed to be matched up with the testimony of the person that they had talked to. And suddenly, the person who was transparent and authentic, who shared their faith, aligned with the truth of God's word that was presented in an authentic, transparent way, and suddenly those two things clicked in the heart of you as an individual, and you're like, wait a minute. This is the answer to the question that I've been trying to solve. This God-shaped hole inside my heart, this void that I've been lacking, this peace that I've been missing, this struggle that I've been facing, this challenge that I've been wrestling with, there it is. And it makes sense. And you connect the dots. Chances are you probably came to faith in a similar way. There was someone in your life who understood and, under, and had a relationship with God and invited you to go see for yourself if this is true. And in some cases, for some of you, you're hard-headed and it took years to go see if it was true. In some cases, you don't even know the person that you met anymore. You don't work with them anymore or your grandparents are passed away and they're the ones that shared this with you and you wish that they could see you now standing on the shoulders of their faith. But now you've seen the truth and heard the truth and you believe the truth. You heard their testimony and you came and saw and heard for yourself and now you believe. Do you realize that that's how almost every story in the New Testament is how people came to faith in Christ? All the way back to when Jesus was, was, was ministering in, in his day. And then in the, in, the chat, in, the, in the book of Acts, you see people coming to faith the same way. People had an encounter with Jesus or, or heard about Jesus through other believers. And then they would, would have this major transformation with Christ. And then they would go tell other people about it. Here's what happened in my life. Here's my story. This is my story about what Jesus did. This is what happened to me. This is who I was. I mean, the blind man, I was blind, but now I see. Uh, the woman at the well, I mean, he knew everything about me. The woman at the well was like, man, like, he blew my mind. He shows up. He's like telling me things that I didn't, like, how did he know these things about me? Like, he knew my sin, 
but he still loved me. He still showed compassion for me. I mean, he and I shouldn't have even talked because I was in a completely different, you know, kind of, you know, I, I was a Samaritan and he was a Jew. We shouldn't have even had a conversation, but yet he, he was kind to me. And then he like told me everything I ever did. Imagine her when she finally understands who Jesus is as the Messiah. She goes home and she's like telling this story. This is my story. Jesus like rocked my world. I met the Messiah. And then she would tell people in verse 29 of John chapter 4, she'd say, you got to come and see. You got to come and see the man that told me everything I ever did. You remember that in the story, John chapter 4? And so what do those people do? Did they all surrender their lives to Jesus right there and there because of what she said? Wouldn't that be great? And sometimes people do. But instead, this is what happened. Let's look at chapter, uh, verse 42, I think is what it was, together. And then they said to the woman, now we believe. So they went, she went and told everyone, come and see, come and see, come and see. This is what Jesus did in my life. And so they said, well, listen, well, now we believe. But listen, not just because of what you told us which was fantastic. Your life changed story, it blew us away. You, you, like, we know you. And like, you're telling us we believe. But now we believe not just because of what you told us, but because why? We have heard him ourselves. <laughs> she said, come and see. You got to come see this guy. So not just because of what you told us, but now we've heard it and we've believed it. And now we know that he indeed is the savior of the world. It's the same way it happened with my small group, probably the same way it happened to you, is someone told you their story and then you came for yourself to figure it out. And maybe you're even here today and you're like, you know what, I'm going to come check this thing out. And I'll stick around church as long as they don't do anything hokey, crazy, or weird. And as long as the pastor seems like he's somebody that I can, like, like is, he a, is he like a normal person? You know what I mean? Have you ever been at one of those hokey churches and the pastor's like, oh my gosh, that guy, I wouldn't even want to hang out with him. I hope I would never be that guy. <laughs> I may be a little irritating because I'm just a goofball, but I, I do my best, and our staff does our best to be normal people so that you can see God through us. Scars and all, our bad sense of humor, sometimes off-color sense of humor, God's the real deal. And I don't have to oversell him to you. And I don't have to be super slick. I don't have to try to be so cool. All I got to do is be me and tell you, this is my story. This is the word of God. And I don't have to guilt you into God's word. I don't have to guilt you into stuff. I don't have to shame you into being better, a better person. I don't have to make you feel like, a, 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 like you're a bad person in order that you would feel bad about yourself when you leave and so that you want to change your life. No, no, there is therefore no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. I'm not here to condemn you. All I'm here to do is tell you about God's mercy, God's love, and God's grace, which is like free for everyone. It is the greatest, coolest, most wonderful thing in the world, and it totally changed me. And all I can see is, is that the more that you spend time around it, the more you're going to get it. And the more that you spend time around it, you're going to hear for yourselves. That this just seems to add up, and then sometime in your heart, you're going to go, yeah. Now, you may still have questions about faith, like I did. You're like, well, if God's loving, why would he allow this to happen? 
And if God's so good, then why do bad things happen to good people? And if, if X, then Y? And tell me a little bit more about this. And if you have a critical thinking mind, there's always going to be stuff that you're going to try to process and reconcile. And Satan would love for you to ricochet off of all the apologetics craziness. But at the end of the day, you will never have all of your questions answered because God's ways are higher than your ways and his thoughts are higher than your thoughts. And what he's doing in the, in the, in the globe and for all eternity, for you to think you're able to solve it all before you can understand who he is, good luck. <laughs> but his love is not hard to understand. Our sin is not hard to understand. The fact that our sin keeps us separated from him, that's not hard to understand. Our fact that our sin has to have a payment associated with it, that's not hard to understand. So I can either pay that penalty myself or let someone else pay it, that's not hard to understand. How do I pay it? Oh, through death and separation from God and hell. Okay, that sucks. I don't want to do that. Is there another way? Yes, through Jesus Christ and his death on the cross for you, and all you have to do is receive it. Tell me more about that. You see? And once it starts to make sense in his love and his grace, you realize that this is available for me. That I, I, that I too, can take on this. You see, I don't have to oversell God. I don't have to, to overcomplicate it. All I have to do is tell my story the way I understand it. You don't have to master every verse on the planet, but you need to tell them what Jesus has done inside your life and share your story. And after you've, exp you, you've, you've told them your story, you simply invite them to come and see for themselves. Yes, they may be ready to accept Christ, but if you can tell them your story, then invite them to come to church with you. I promise you the Holy Spirit's totally working. You don't have to oversell Jesus or overcomplicate it or push it or cram it down their throats. I promise you the Holy Spirit wants them to trust in Christ more than you do. Don't you think the Holy Spirit's going to work, work, work hard on their heart to try to, to try to minister to their heart and to draw them to him? Yes. You see, we need to live our life in such a way. Let me show you this quote because this is something I want you to chew on for a second. You and I need to live our life in such a way that those who know you but don't know God will come to know you because they because, will come to know God because they know you. It's hard. To, let me read it again. It's, it's, it, it's complicated, but it's profound. You need to live your life in such a way that those that know you but don't know God will come to know God because they know you. <laughs> Have you ever met anybody like that? You're like, I don't know what's up with that guy. But there's something really special about him. There's something so special about her. And, and it's beautiful to be people like that. And we need to be people like that. They need to be so special that people that don't know God go, what is it about them? Because ultimately we want and desire for them to go, can you tell me how you have so much hope? Like we talked about earlier, how do you have hope in this situation? How do you find peace in the middle of the storm? How do you find joy in the midst of hardship? How do you have purpose? How did you find your purpose on this planet? But even though you and I can do this really, really well, absent of us having a voice in the equation, you see, I think many of us like to live here. 
I just live my life, just live it peacefully, let people follow after that, and then and they can follow Jesus if they want to. I think Satan, I think this is beautiful, but I think Satan can twist that for you and keep you silent, and it wasn't what God intended for us to be. God wants us to be fruitful, yes, in the way we live, but also in the way we share our faith. We have to be bold to be able to tell people about the hope that's in us. It's not just a matter of how we live, but it's also a matter of how and what we say when God gives us the opportunity. People are searching for answers to life, even more so in the world that we live in. It's a crazy place. People want answers, and they, don't, they, they have a God-sized hole in their heart they're trying to fill and solve. They're going to look with money and with sex and with all kinds of different things to try to fill it, and nothing will finally and fully fill them until they find Christ. And they'll look at you and wonder, what do you have that's different? And they will not know it's God unless you tell them that it's God. People are searching for answers. And they're looking at their life and they're saying, I've got a big disastrous mess. Is it possible for me to have what they have? Because they're looking at you and they're, God, they're thinking that you're living a godly life and they're trying to compare their life to yours. They're like, well, how do I have? And I'll never be able to live up to that. And you know something that they don't know. You know that God saves and loves everybody regardless of what we've done wrong, right? There, there's, no, there's no qualifier. There's no prerequisite. There's no like, well, if you've done that, you've kind of gone too far. God loves everybody, and everybody has the ability to come to Christ. Romans chapter 10 starts off off in verse 13. It says this. It says, for who is this? Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. You and I know this. Your coworker doesn't. Your coworker looks at you and thinks, I can't measure up to Miss Holier Than Thou over here. I hope, you don't think, I hope they don't think you're holier than thou. Hopefully they think that, man, I can't live up. She's so special. She's so sweet. There's something so nice about her. There's something so beautiful about her spirit. Likewise, to, 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 to you as guys. And they think that, well, I mean, God, I mean, yeah, they obviously have a relationship with God, but look how good they are. But no, 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 you know this. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. It doesn't matter what you've done. And the verse goes on to say this, which is even so cool. It says, but how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? So they're, they're wondering, I mean, how can, I mean, can anyone get saved? Yes, anyone can, anyone that believes. But how can they call on him unless they believe? And how can they believe in him if they've never heard about him? And how can they hear about him? How? Unless somebody tells them. So it's one thing to live a great life and everyone goes, man, they, they seem to be like really religious people and really great people. But guys, this is our responsibility. You know that everybody calls, everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. And that grace and that love and that mercy is free for everybody. But how will they know unless you tell them? You are the person that has influence in their life. You are the person that has relationship in their life. You may be their relative. You may be their friend. You may be their best friend. You may be their coworker. You may be their neighbor. But how can they hear about Jesus unless someone tells them? And that somebody is you. 
It's got to be you. So you and I have to be ready to explain it. We have to be ready. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15 says this, Instead, you must worship Christ as Lord of your life. And if someone asks about the hope you have as a believer, you need to always be ready to explain it. Because sometimes they're going to ask you. And other times you need to look for the opportunity. But you have to always be ready. That's why today what we're going to talk about is how to share your faith. Because it needs to be something that we're ready to do at a moment's notice, in season and out of season, to be prepared to share our faith because we're Christ's ambassadors. He is, he is using us as his tool. When he, when he saved us, he created us as a new creation. When we were saved, remember, we didn't do anything to earn this, right? We, we were saved by his grace, but we were saved to do good works. What was that work? To be fruitful, to share our faith. And it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, talking about this new life that we have in Christ, which represents baptism, listen to what it says here. This means that anyone who belongs in Christ has become a new person. This is the baptism kind of thing we're looking at today. The old life is gone. The new life has come. That's that kind of bury with him in baptism and raised to walk in a new life symbol that we'll talk about today in the water. This is what's taking place. Then it goes on to say, and all this is a gift from God, right? Is, is Ephesians tells us that, that I, by grace we are saved is a gift from God. It's not of anything that you've done to earn it. It's a free gift from God. And so that, that's what that free gift is. And so who brought us back to himself through Christ and God has given us. So once we've had that free gift and once we become a child of God, he says, okay, great. Now you're a child of mine and I, now you have a task I want you to do. And we want to do this task because we're so grateful for what he's done for us. So what's the task? What's the good work? How do we be fruitful? And here's the task. God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. Our job. Our job is to go find people who don't know him and say, I know how to help you know him. <laughs> I, I, know how to, I know him. Like I have a relationship with the God you can't see. And I can help you have a relationship with him. <laughs> well, keep reading with me. Verse 19. For God was in Christ, and he was reconciled the world to himself. And so this is what he was doing through Christ, no longer counting people's sins against him. Let me tell you my story. This is my story, how that worked. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation that I'm trying to tell you about, how you can be reconciled to Christ. So therefore, this is what you and I are. We're Christ's ambassadors. Since God is making what? His appeal through us. So we plead on Christ's behalf. Be reconciled to God. That's our job. How do we be fruitful? We're in an engagement project. Being fruitful is by being an ambassador for Jesus Christ. Not just living good, moral, great, godly lives, but using our voice to reconcile people, to tell people how to come back to God. This is my story of how God redeemed me. I'm going to tell you the best way I know how. And it may be clunky because I'm just kind of a normal, I'm not a preacher, but here's how it goes. This is what God did in my life. But you need to see for yourself. I'm going to show you where you can read about that. And I'm going to invite you to my church because I think that we're similar. Maybe you like our church. And encourage them to follow and learn for themselves. To come and see. Just like the woman at the well. This man said, hey, we heard what you told us, but we didn't just believe because of what you told us. 
We came and heard for ourselves, and now we believe. That will be the story, chances are, of your coworker, your boss, your niece, your cousin, your brother, your sister. But it won't be their story if you don't share your story. How important it is for us to do that. So I wonder, have you ever shared your story? Are you confident to do that? Are you comfortable to do that? Over the years, I've taught classes on how to share our faith, and I usually ask the question in the beginning, have you done this, or how comfortable you are, and typically we kind of grimace, you're like, I don't know, I'm not really good at it, I'm kind of nervous to do it, I've never done it before. And I always think to myself, who, or I say it out loud actually in the class, who do you think is the source of that feeling that you have? I don't think I can do it, I'm not comfortable, I'm scared to do it. Who do you think is the source of that? Satan is the source of that. Because think about it, is that we were, the old life is gone and the new life has come. We were created in Christ Jesus, we were recreated, we were reborn when we were saved. So we have a new life in Christ. And we were created in Christ Jesus to do what? To do good works. He prepared for us in advance to do these good works, Ephesians tells us. And so we are now a new life created in Christ Jesus. And so we were created by God to be fruitful and share our testimony. So God hardwired us from the factory, rewired us when we were saved for this purpose. And then Jesus, before he left, said, hey, go tell everyone about what I did when he left. So we were commanded to do it. And so we were created and we were commanded. And by the way, when we do it, it just feels so good. Because why? We were created to do it, and we're obedient to a command. If God created us to do something, and we're commanded to do something, and we don't feel like we're comfortable doing it, and it scares us, we have to know that enemy's keeping us from something. It's not just that you're introverted. Give me a break. <laughs> you're not that introverted. Like, come on. You just probably have bought into a lie that Satan is playing with your head. It's time for you to get better at understanding your story and articulating your story. So I'm going to give you five things and then we're going to go home. Five ways, five steps in sharing your testimony. I want you to take a picture of this slide. If you can see it with your phone, zoom in. If not, you can go back and watch this and screenshot. If you're watching at home, just pause the video anytime and take a screenshot of that. But I want to walk you through this because this is important for all of us to be able to do. And as you walk through this, you might find that there's a gap or two I'm missing on this. You're like, oh, I don't know. I mean, I don't know if I've ever done that. I don't know if I have this part of my story. You might figure out as we walk through this today that I've just kind of been doing religion, that I've never really surrendered my life to God. You might see there's a part of your story that I've never done in this story. And you're like, gosh, I see an opportunity for me to take my next step. All that's well and good. But today, as you figure out what your story is, today is an opportunity for you to craft that story and be prepared because you need to be prepared in season and out of season because someone's going to ask you to give an account of what this hope is. Why do you have so much hope? Why do you have so much peace? How do you have so much joy in the midst of what you're going through? Or the why question or the what question or the what if or the even though questions that we talked about last week. We need to be prepared. So the first question is, Describe what made you aware of your need for Christ. So as you begin to share your faith with someone, and you have permission to do that, 
whether they ask you about it or you have a chance to say, can I talk to you a little bit about my faith? The first thing you want to do is find level ground with them and just tell them, you know what? There was a point in time where I, I don't know if I even th- thought I needed God, but then this happened and I realized that I had a need for Christ. Maybe it was a hardship or a struggle. Maybe you went through some major issue in your life and the bottom fell out or the roof caved in. And when that happened, there was an awareness that I can't get through life alone. And there was suddenly a dependence that I had to have on a higher power in some component. And I knew there had to be someone greater than myself or more than to this world than just living and dying. Maybe you have come face to face with the depth of your sin. Maybe you realize the depth of what you've done and the shame and the guilt has gripped you to such a place and you couldn't get past the guilt and the shame and and suddenly you heard a sermon or you read something or saw something that talked about sin and talked about how that separates us from God and boy, you understood that because you never felt so far away from God and if he existed, certainly he must hate you from what you were doing but then you heard about there was a way to be reconciled and you're like, how is it even possible for what I've done And you began to quest to determine if this mercy and this love and this grace was available to you. What was your story? Describe what made you aware. Maybe you heard a testimony of a friend or another believer. Someone who you said, man, a person of influence in your life, a co-worker, a friend. And they just told you their story. And you laid awake at night staring at the ceiling fan going, I want that. What they found, I want Because whatever they found seems so real to them, and what I'm chasing after is so empty. Maybe you did hear a sermon, or you read a book, or you watched a movie that someone told you to watch, or whatever it was, what made you aware? Because chances are, you're going to strike a chord in the heart of that person. They go, yeah, I thought that. I felt that. We're actually not so far apart, aren't we, then? Maybe we are more like each other than I ever thought we were. And then you describe what happened next. Describe how you came to Christ. What were your thoughts and your feelings that you were dealing with? How did you wrestle that down? How did you process it? What were the obstacles that you deal with? What were some of the internal pressures? What were the external pressures that you faced? I mean, did you have parents that believed? Did you have a a wife that didn't believe or a husband that didn't believe? And you try to talk this thing out and and they were just like, no, no, you're a religious weirdo. And did you get pushed back? I mean, how did you process? What did you reconcile? How did you take this to, to the next level? How did it all happen? And then where did it happen? I remember laying at the corner of my bed and got on my knees and I remember praying to God. I remember walking down an aisle in a church or I remember going out to the beach and just staring out in the heavens and I cried out to God, Lord, if you'll have me, take my life, save me. Wherever it took place, just personalize it. It doesn't have to be walking an aisle in a church. Describe how old you were, where you were. And then what happened next? Were you baptized? God's word says they were believed, they believed and then they were baptized. There should be that public declaration of that internal decision, that private decision that you made. Jesus did it. God's word tells us to do that. Were you baptized? The third step is explain how your life has changed and how it's been different because of Christ. There should be evidence, looking back on your faith, that God has transformed you and changed you. This is huge, folks. 
This is huge. There has to be evidence that God has transformed you and changed you. If you look back in your faith story and you can't see some level of transformation that God's doing in your life, you may have surrendered your life to religion and to church, but not to God. Because Jesus will transform your life and church will give you something to do on the weekends. When you think about your life change story, if you were saved as a teenager or up, you probably have, like I said, that backstory that you can go, this is who I was before. But it should not just be the moment in time where I got saved when I was 16 and I was, you know, lying to my parents and I was sleeping with my girlfriend and this was the mistakes I was making and then God changed me and, and, I, and I began to live a new life. It shouldn't just be what happened when you were 16 or happened when you were 30. It needs to be a progressive story about the transformation that God is doing in your life. Believers should have a constant story of change. You can have an initial story, but there should be constant stories of life change. Now, as a believer, it's easy for you and I to get stalled in our faith. I can get comfortable with the transformation that God's doing with me. It's where I feel pretty good about the way my life is. And I no longer ask God to transform me. I get comfortable and I can go through seasons, sometimes years, of not seeing anything really significant of God doing in my life. Can you relate to that? So if you go back and you're looking at your story to ask, hey, so what are the big significant changes? And you've got to go back a year or two or three before you find one, then you're in one of those seasons. And it's time for you to lay down and go, God, okay. I guess I don't have any current story of you really transforming my life. So I give you permission to begin again of that transformation process. When God is transforming you and working on you, you feel like he's active in your life and you're growing in your faith and that feels wonderful, you don't feel stalled in your faith. Look for those stories and invite God often to be wrecking your life and building you back because that is the joy of the Lord. There's no greater, no greater joy than to know that God is tearing you down and building you up and tearing you down and building you up. Potter clay, potter clay. He's doing a masterful work in your life. But if you look back and there's not a story in there, today I want to invite you to surrender your life so you can begin that story. Even if you've been in church for 20 years, don't be embarrassed. Surrender your life to Jesus Christ and fix it. Fix it today. The next thing is encourage them to explore Jesus for themselves. You've done the hard part. I've told you my story. This is, how, this is what I wrestled with. This is how I came to Christ. These are the changes that he's made in my life. This is how I've been walking with Jesus. The woman at the well, that's all she did. This is what Jesus did in my life, and he changed me. But now you've got to come and see for yourself. And so you're doing that. You can encourage them. You've got to go check this out. Because what God did in my life, I think he can do in yours. And encourage them to come with you to church. If they don't live near your church, you can help them find a church. Just don't say Google a church. They'll end up in some weird church. <laughs> Google for them and find them a Bible-believing church. You read their belief statement. You know belief statements. Go and figure out what do they say about Jesus. Make sure they're not some hokey snake throwing church or weird stuff like that. <laughs> and then send them there. Send them a link to our church. They can watch online until they find a church home. There's all kinds of great methods to be able to get them there. Offer to do a Bible study with them. 
watch a movie with them, do whatever you can. But when they finally hear something in God's word or in a message that aligns with what it is that you told them about your life story, the Holy Spirit's going to go, there it is, boom. And that seed that you planted will result in them surrendering their life to Christ. Because that's how it happened with you, most likely. That's how it happened with me. And this is how you're going to see the people you love and care about come to faith in Christ. It's not just because they've watched you live a good life. You've got to be bold enough to share your story. You can't be ashamed of the gospel. It has the power. <laughs> the gospel is the power of God for the salvation of anyone and everyone who believes. You and I must be about sharing our faith because our faith grows stronger. Billy Graham says it this way. He says that our faith becomes stronger as we express it. A growing faith is a sharing faith. You want your faith to grow? You want to feel like you're alive in Christ in a way that you've never felt? Share your faith. And so that's, that's my message to you today, is that we are getting ready to celebrate baptism with a handful of people today who have made a decision to follow Christ. They met last Wednesday with Pastor Corey on the back patio, and 10, 15 people, I don't know, there's a bunch of people getting baptized today who have made decisions to follow Christ. Some have made fresh decisions to follow Christ. Others, as they have kind of learned their story and retold their story, there's just pieces of their story that have been missing. For some, it's been issues of surrender. And they're like, you know what, I've just, I never, I never really surrendered my, my life to God. And now that, because my parents, I got baptized when I was a kid. That was a decision my parents made for me. But, but now that I'm a, an older, I've really surrendered my life to God. And I feel like this is the decision I have to make. And they're being baptized today because this is the decision they've made as adults. Others have made this decision long before, but they've never followed through to be baptized. And God's word says, believe and be baptized. And every time we do baptism services, some of the adults that are getting baptized today are like, I just feel like I'm being disobedient. And I just have to, I have to do something about this. And, I, and, and I, I, they've been hung up on what people might think or say because they've been part of the church for so long, but they're like, you know what? I don't care anymore what people think. I, I, I want when I pray at night to like have this issue settled with God. And so I, I'm going to get baptized. I'm going to go ahead and say yes to being baptized because Jesus said it. And so, and I believe and I'm going to do it. Others, as you go through this story today, you're going to go, man, I don't know if I have that life change decision, but today's the day you can do that. So how do you know for sure? It's simple. Do you believe that Jesus Christ is God's one and only son? Do you believe that? Do you believe that God sent his son to the world to be the penalty, to carry the penalty of sin to the cross for you? Do you believe that Jesus died on the cross for the sins of all mankind, including yourself? If you believe that he was the sacrifice, the Messiah, to be the savior of the world, and you want to place your faith and trust, it means you confess with your mouth and you believe in your heart that he's the Lord. And then from there, you surrender your life to him. So I believe, and so now I surrender. I believe what you've done, and now I surrender my life. This isn't a prayer that you have to pray. When I was a kid, it was like, pray this prayer, and you're good. Okay, don't, I'm not going to ask you to pray some prayer that I repeat and make you good. You've got to believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, and then you've got to surrender your life. That ain't easy. But you willfully want to do it when you realize what he's done for you. You surrender your life to God. You're like, Lord, after all that you've done for me and what you've paid for me, how can I live for you? 
So I will choose to surrender my life to you. And after I choose to surrender my life to you, I confess my sins to you and I repent of everything I've ever done wrong because your word says you're going to forgive me because I don't know how outside of, in my own strength, I'm not going to be able to do this. This is going to be hard. But thankfully, you give me a way that when I screw up, you're going to forgive me. So I'm going to confess my sins. I'm going to repent. I'm not going to return to those same patterns of sins. I'm going to move on in a surrendered life. I'm going to continue to push on. I'm going to give you permission to transform me. Like, I don't know what's next. Maybe you're going to help me to change this area of my life now, but later you might change this area, and later you're going to change this area. But however long we're together, Lord, until I'm with you in heaven, I give you full permission to keep changing my life until we're together. That's what surrender looks like. That's what transformation looks like. And while along the way, I'm going to read your word, and I'm going to pray daily. I'm going to spend time worshiping with my brothers and sisters privately and publicly. I'm going to spend time worshiping you. And then I'm going to be fruitful. I'm going to tell people about what you've done in my life and then invite them to come see for themselves. That's what we got to do. And I need you to do it. Because we were created and commanded to do it. Five o'clock today, we'll be baptizing people who make that decision. Just like last service, there were people who made the decision to say, hey, can I get baptized too? Some said, hey, I want to I trust Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. Others just said, hey, I'm ready to get baptized. Is it too late for me? It's not too late. In just a moment, we're going to have some of our leaders in the front who are going to be down for an altar call as we have our final song. If you want to trust Christ as your Savior, you want to get baptized today, or you just want to know more about trusting Jesus, you have questions, I want you to come to the altar. This is your moment, and this is your chance. Let me pray for you. Father, thank you for this morning and for the chance to be in this place where we can talk about our story. Thank you for teaching us how to share our story today. Thank you for reminding us, Lord, that it is the story of what you are doing in our lives and that we don't have to worry about saving anybody. All we have to do is just be faithful at telling our story and let you, the Holy Spirit, change people. Well, let me get over myself enough just to be able to, I got to make sure I share it. And so, Lord, for any student, for any adult that's in the room, that as they look through that list today and they see a gap, whether they weren't baptized or whether they're not growing or doubt that they've ever surrendered their life, I pray today is the day that they say, I'm going to fix this. I'm going to surrender. And maybe for that, that, that person that's here today that's just never done this before, but they're ready to take that first step and fully surrender their life, give them the courage to come the aisle as well. They say, today's the day. I'm going to say yes to Jesus. My grandma told me all about him. My dad told me all about him. My uncle told me all about him. My aunt, man, he, she was faithful to tell me about Jesus. But wow, today what I heard is exactly what she was always telling me. And now I'm ready to say yes. Oh, I wish she was here to see me walk this aisle. But I'm not going to let anything hold me back anymore from saying yes to Jesus. I'm ready. Oh, I pray today's your day. Or it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.